UK Motor Talk. Hello everyone, it's been a slice of time, hasn't it? How is everyone? Not too shabby, I think. No, not Still bad. Here. It has been a while. Still vertical. And it's good to see you all again. This is UK Motor Talk. I'm Mike. Hello. I'm Jim. Good evening. I'm Graham. Hello to you all. And I'm Dave. And uh, I think you've already stolen my line. We know how everyone is, so uh, <laughs> it's good to see everyone. Yeah, it's been a little while and yeah. um, nice to see your happy smiling faces. Now it is summer. How did that happen? Well, it's much nicer now we're going to have the heating off. We need air conditioning now. That's the only thing. But that costs a fortune to run per hour, doesn't it? So it's um, mm. yeah, never, never happy, are we? It's either too cold and too expensive or too hot and too expensive. But there we go. I made the mistake of catching the tube somewhere very recently to head up into London. And to borrow a phrase, it was hot as balls down there. It was in the 40s at least. And it was definitely the wrong time. And you can probably imagine what it smelled like. It was not <laughs> fresh. It has the smell of an old tube train seat but just that times 10 or 100 but anyway i think probably what you need is a car without a roof which is something you've got now jim it is regular listeners to the podcast will know that well it's been a while since we've actually sat down and recorded like this isn't it we've had the uh, the Mm. smmt test day and rolls royce days out and various things so it's been a while since we've all sat down but yes i think the last time we sat down actually i'd um left a deposit on the car so the uh, the day after the smmt test day i uh, i went to pick up the caterham mike very kindly gave me a lift up there and uh yeah we did the uh the handover i particularly like the bit where he showed me the controls in the dashboard you know when we're handing over a car at work the controls on the dashboard or the screen can take what an hour an hour and a half depending on how in depth to it you go whereas mm-hmm. it was very much here's a switch here's all the other switches are all next to each other what's that funny one with like the picture of the shark on it that's your washers really yeah Okay, everything else is self-explanatory. There you are, and that's it. But it was uh, there was a lot to do in uh, in terms of other bits and how to get the bonnet off and what to check, etc. And it was uh, yeah, lovely uh, a lovely sunny day for a drive back. And I've had a few days out in it since. Had a, uh, a good drive out on Saturday. Headed out, headed north. Found a tunnel. Drove back through the tunnel. Turned around, drove back through the tunnel again. Turned around, drove through the tunnel again. So I just hope there aren't speed <laughs> cameras in there. Otherwise, that's three, six, nine, twelve. Uh, yeah, that's it done. And, uh, yeah, it was just a, a, very, a very nice day out, headed over to Goodwood. There was a track day going on, so I just parked up and watched a few cars go round and drove back, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a lovely day out. But, yeah, seven years and 11 months ago, I gave up smoking, and uh, the caterum is the result. So give up smoking cigarettes, and uh, a few years later, start smoking some tyres would be my, uh, my healthy advice on, uh, on all counts. But it's, uh, it's a wonderful car, and it's, uh, it's superb. It's very enjoyable. To paint a picture, this is it's a lovely colour, isn't it? It looks a bit like uh, if you if you know the mini sort of the hyper blue sort of colour. It's a it's supposedly a Ford colour, but I'm I'm not sure. Kind of like a, the Cobra blue, isn't it? Almost. It's uh, no, it's Viper blue. So it's, Viper it's blue. The, it'll be the the GM Dodge Viper blue, I would think. But it's uh, I think I had the uh, the heartiest, most ringing endorsement of the car over the last couple of weeks. There's a girl at work. Her lad is off to his um, end of school high school middle school whatever it is prom and he had an offer of a you know a camper bus and an escort and a this and a that and the other and the caterham and he picked the caterham the fact that a 17 18 year old lad picked that as the coolest car out of a bunch of very cool cars i think that means i've picked the right car so i'm uh yeah i'm mm. quite happy with that 
So it is blue with a silver stripe over the top, and of course, carbon fiber uh, has a carbon fiber, carbon fiber, carbon fiber dash and bits and pieces, and isn't it? And and undoubtedly will just be awash with carbon fiber. I, mean, I was trying to think what the correct term would be, and then you said riddled with carbon fiber. That sounds terrible. You don't want to be riddled with anything. Festooned. 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 Let's, go with, Let's festooned. go with that. That's an old-fashioned word for an old-fashioned car. Because I think you uh, mm. you saw one on your uh, your travels over the last couple of days, didn't you? It was like, oh, it looks almost exactly the same as mine, and, and not a lot of it has changed in the design over the years. But if it doesn't need to, then why bother? It was a 1959 Lotus 7, a white one, which looked almost identical in almost every regard with the exception of the fact it had the, the big long wings on the front, which presumably give you lift at the front, which I can't imagine is great for anything. It'll just give you terrible lift at the front. Yeah. Is it, is it wrong that I want to just talk about some old stuff for a change? I, I've got a, a bit of a nostalgia thing going on, because I, I have seen some interesting stuff of late. Uh, but before we do, Fiat have come out with something. And we must mention this, because I, I thought it was hilarious when, when Dave told me. Ah, yes. Well, Fiat, who, uh, as we all know, make fun little cars, have finally decided that they're really going to ram that down your throat and they're stopping selling grey cars because apparently grey cars don't sell joy, colours and optimism because that's what they want to be known as. They want to be known as the brand of joy, colours and optimism, which isn't grey. And, you know, they might have a point. Cars these days are generally all sort of muted colours, unless you're the sort of Timmy Mallet sort. You know, young people won't know who the hell I'm talking about. There. But if you like bright coloured cars, Fiat is probably going to be your go-to from now on. So if you want banana yellow or Rosso Corsa or something orange, go and have a word with uh, Stellantis' Italian brand, because they will sell you anything but grey. Ah, it's a good idea. I like a brightly coloured car. I like, you know, there's there's nothing better on uh, on a used car front if there's a uh, you know a red white and blue and then i'd always like the place to look as much like a fruit and vegetable as possible you know a bright green a bright yellow a bright orange this that the the, the brighter the better but i do quite like a gray car as well i've i've owned a couple of gray cars and there's you know a time and a place for everything but maybe gray with orange stripes is that allowed under their their new regime but it's you know i don't, I don't want the place to look like a used Saab front because that was all various shades of grey and I think at one point they had about seven shades of grey that all sounded fairly similar so that on a, a rainy November morning doesn't look very nice I'll agree with them there but a grey one makes the rest of them stand out and not everybody likes a, a flash colour you know I sold a, uh, a Mac E to a chap and he'd, he'd ummed and ahed about a brighter colour but he he was of the view that it maybe gave the wrong impression it was a car for uh, for work purposes and tax purposes as well so turning up to visit clients in a bright orange something gives the impression of i'm loud look at me turning up in a, a gray something or other gives a completely different impression a focus rs perfect case in point you could get that in magnetic gray and it looked like a normal focus. You could get it in the nitrous blue and it was loud and in your face. I mean, the nitrous blue was the best colour for it. But if you wanted to be a bit subtle, have a grey one. I was just trying to think in 40-something cars, whether I've actually owned a grey car. I'm not sure I have. I've owned loads of silver ones and different shades of silver and silvery blue and bluey silver and red. I had a grey company car, which I think bears out what Jim was just saying. I didn't have any choice over the colour. It was simply foisted upon me, but it was a grey Nissan Bluebird. It's going back a year or two. Mm. But that was um, actually a very good car, surprisingly. I've had two. I've had uh, 
my 205 GTI, that was gunmetal metallic grey, and that suited Ooh, that thing absolutely that perfectly. Those. That, yeah, that, those, was, that was a nice colour on that car. It worked yeah. really, really well. And uh, perhaps more fittingly, in a slightly different part of the range, I had the, the first of the Skodas I owned, which was the two-litre Octavia. That was sort of a greeny grey, which sort of suited it because it just blended in and looked like a minicab. But um, yeah, neither of them, well, the, the 205 was quite pulse quickening, but the um, Skoda, not so much, but it could surprise a few people under the right circumstances. But it wasn't a, wasn't a screaming, look at me sort of car. Neither of them, really. And the 205, you could, again, it's sort of similar to what James was saying, you could get them in the bright reds, the whites, that lovely blue, the metallic sort of kingfisher blue they did. But also you could get them in the more muted colours and they did blend in a bit. So, you know, I suppose you, you pays your money, you takes your choice. But I think Fiat, to be fair, should be grateful for any sale they can get these days, to be honest, regardless <laughs> of what colour it is. Um, they do seem to be sort of the company that just sells derivatives of a 500. And uh, one's got to hope that they're going to sort of diversify somewhat in the future. Perhaps Stellantis now have the uh, the reins and they're going to start driving them in a different direction. But, you know, perhaps this is a statement of intent. We're going to go for colour and joy and optimism and all fair play to them. I've always had a, a very soft spot for Fiat. You know, lots of soft spots, usually rust-filled. <laughs> the cars I've owned with their badge on. But, um, soft I, under the carpet. Indeed. I enjoyed every single one. If you look back over their history, they've produced some great cars and some great small cars and some very quick small cars over the years you know they've, they've quite an extraordinary history and some terrible ones to be fair yeah the the the, the 90s and the noughties haven't been particularly kind to them hello stilo <laughs> yeah 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 i've been i've been there with a we had a brava which again was a company car and was staggeringly unreliable Yes, the Bravo and Brava. The Brava was, was when it was running, was a very good car. It was uh, sprightly and uh, comfortable car. And we uh, put quite a few thousand miles on it when it was working. And sometimes it wasn't. There's something I have to mention. And the moment I looked at Jim, Jim stuck two fingers up at me, which obviously you can't, you can't hear this. But when we speak of the, the grey cars, years and years ago, one of my colleagues ordered up a car before he left and he handed over a few things which we had to sort out. The car was, was due to go out and there were there were a few things wrong with it. Ford had changed the specification of this particular vehicle. I think the, the biggest problem was the number of pedals in the footwell was, was yes. a slight issue, wasn't it, to be fair? The, the biggest issue with that was the fact that it was the moment I went to go and deliver it and went to put my foot on the clutch to start it. I realised that the clutch was missing. That was, a, that was the real problem. But I'd gone down to, to the compound because... I don't think either of us had seen this car, and it was parked in the compound. And Jim said to me, oh, go down and, and pick up this car. It was called um, Garda's Colour, which is green. So it's a green... Well, it's a grey-green. But it's it's green. So like a quite a dark green, but it's green. But with a lot of grey mixed into it. <laughs> Not that much. It's, it's a green, green S-back. A reasonable parked amount. In, parked yeah. in the compound. So I went down there, and I looked at it, and I said, there's not a green one down here. But there's a magnetic grey one, which is like a, which is like a metallic grey. And he went, "Oh no, it's it's definitely guard. Like, it's definitely not." So, but well, they do look quite similar. It's like, yes, I know they they are two different, but they are two different colours. I'm telling you, this is not green. This is magnetic. No, it's not. I'm sure, I'm sure it's green. We got it back. It's like he really is grey. <laughs> this particular car. They decided because the colour was popular that they would discontinue it, or it was expensive to make one or the other, and change the specification entirely of this vehicle before they delivered it to us. Which came as a complete surprise to both, to both Jim and I, because neither of us knew about it. 
un- until it got to the point of, of basically handing the car over. So it, whenever we see a car that comes through that's, that's green, between the two of us is always uh, grey, isn't it? Uh, there's, there's always this constant uh, constant ribbing. When you went on holiday a few weeks ago, I found the colour chip for it and stuck it in your uh, stuck it in your desk. <laughs> Whenever I, I think of that, I think of this this green S Max is definitely not green. Well, it's a grey green, isn't it? So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll find a, uh, we'll, we'll find a couple of pictures of a magnetic S Max and a guard S Max, and we'll we'll Insta, Tweety, Facebook it, or we'll do whatever we do on all At the UK Motor Talk everywhere. UK Motor Talk. Just to, yes. uh, to drop that one in there, and uh, and then you can uh, you can have a look and compare for yourself. From one run of the mill car to another, I am really excited about this, and that maybe says more about me than it does about anything else. But anyway, I am genuinely excited about this, and Dave, I think you're excited about this as well, aren't you? The festival of the unexceptional is back, uh, and it's excellent. It is excellent. So July the 29th in Grimsthorpe, which sounds terrible. And if you're from Grimsthorpe, I'm sorry, but I haven't been. I'm sure it's lovely. Um, but yes, anyway, this is back. And I, I think probably you're the most excited about this, Dave, to be fair, aren't you? Well, yeah, I mean, this is sort of my era, really. Lots of cars from, was it 68 to 98, I believe, as the mm-hmm. um, marker posts at either end. And Golden years. Just- Golden years. Well, it's not. It's as as a sign says famously that they sort of peg out there every year. It's not beige. It's harvest gold. So that tell you everything. <laughs> if if you were a, a a child who sat in the back of any sort of uh, British Leyland product over the years, you'll know exactly what harvest gold is. In fact, the first car I almost bought, and my father quickly whisked me away from it saying no no the subframes are insert word with fd at the end of it it was crabbing down the road that was harvest gold and that should have told me something that would have been an interesting thing to me but anyone who spent any time between 68 to 98 sitting in any sort of day-to-day car that your mum would have taken you to school in or your grandparents Mm. owned or you sat in the boot of when you shouldn't have done being taken to school as long as it was an estate obviously otherwise that's kidnap uh yes they're they're all going to be there so everything he Graham mentioned there the uh, the Nissan Bluebird. I I know for a fact there'll be plenty of those there. The probably all the remaining ones. A whole load of there can't be many. Marine, no, but they'll all be in Grimsthorpe if you want to go and re- <laughs> reacquaint yourself. I doubt if my X one will be. I used to rally it at weekends, <laughs> uh, unbeknownst to the to the company. Although the garage did ask, how come you go through so many front tires and so many front pads? That's the well, rally. Because I'm, I'm thrashing it around the lanes every every. Oh, someone's night. hit it again and driven <laughs> off. Where? In the floor pan. <laughs> how's, how's that happened again? Where's this roll cage come from? And what are these mud flaps? <laughs> yeah. But, um, I imagine there will be plenty there. There'll be it's unexceptional is the word. So there'll be things like the Nissan Almira. You'll be walking around as as is often the case. What around going, My God, I remember those. I haven't seen one of those in X amount of years. And it's just the mundane, not the Ferraris, not the all singing, all dancing, top of the range things. It will be the most dull, mediocre, but heartstring tugging display. And um yes, it's it's right up my my alley. It's 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 brilliant. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to going. My parents, thinking of, of the cars of the era, had a Maestro with a brown interior. My granddad had read one with a brown interior. Mum's, mum and dad's was it was it was beige because it didn't show the rust as much. Who chooses a colour 
because it doesn't beige. show the rust as much. Well, that's the way you had to think in those in those days because they all did that. And so if you <sighs> could um, prolong having the wings cut off and re-welded as long as you could, then um, you know you did what you had to do to survive. This was the British Leyland way. I spent the first few years of my life just thinking that all cars were painted black at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had uh, next door neighbour had an Allegro, and he was an older gentleman that had retired as a mechanic. And I'm convinced that he spent more time fixing this bloody Allegro than he ever did driving it. He was always under it. And yes, the bottom of every panel was painted in, in sort of matte black. I suppose the easiest way to hide the rust, but it was an absolute rust bucket. I seem to remember some really odd quirks about Cars' era as well. I'm, I'm... I can't remember who it was that told me I had an MG Metro with the uh, the powder-coated wheels. And you'd find if he braked hard enough, the wheels would lock, but the the tyres would carry on going round on the rim. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> they, all, they all do that, sir. Don't worry. <laughs> I, just, I love the idea. Of just that, and people go, oh, you know, modern cars are so boring, this, that, and the other. It's not that long ago that we had to do some ridiculous things, even service intervals. We, I was chatting with um, someone yesterday about and speaking of unexceptional the about of the, about the onion and the fact that i think originally it had five or six thousand mile service intervals it's quite a lot really when you think about it and uh there were lots of bits you, you'd have to do and things that might uh might give you might give you problems like the ignition amp or distributor and all these kind of things but i think we we probably in, in my mind because i'm i'm perhaps a bit old-fashioned we got to the best of it in probably the early noughties when they had things like the original focus came out when we mastered electronic ignition you could have a heated screen and air conditioning. And what more do you really need apart from one shot electric windows and power fold mirrors? And, you know, that's about it, really. I think you just touched my nostalgia button. I was just remembering I wonder what that times was. I've, 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 <laughs> yes, the number of times I've had to replace a set of points and lifting the mm. distributor cap off and replacing the cables and, and so on and so on. Points were a nightmare. Well, just to, uh, to point out creature comforts, my Caterham has a heated screen on it. For some reason, that's because you don't have a blower to blow the air at it, don't you? Is that isn't that why they have those? It's a bloody good idea. I wouldn't. I mean, we were having this discussion on another car group that I'm a member of, and sorry, I'm being profligate with my uh, moonlighting. Uh, moonlighting on on other WhatsApp groups. Um, they're the only other one that will have me. We were, they were talking <laughs> about there's a there's been a survey out of things that people would really want as options in cars, you know, sort of desirable options. And one of the top ones, and this is obviously people predominantly who've had Fords, and then as they've licensed it to others, is the heated screen. And I would not have a car without one now because it is just mm. in the winter. There's nothing more smug inducing than pressing the button and just watching it melt away. Yes, admittedly, you've got to chisel the ice off the rest of the car. The back window does itself, but the front, just watching it melt away, and then you just swish it away with your wipers, rather than swearing your way through trying to chisel it off and get the wipers off the screen and all that sort of thing. It's, oh. it's a work of genius. So, I mean, presumably the one you've got in the catering, Jim, is, is a similar sort of thing with wires running through it that will... Um, keep it clear as opposed to sort of getting frost off. It's more a sort of a, a blower replacement rather than a get rid of ice machine. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a, it actually has, a, it's got uh, it's got a heater in it. So there's a, a couple of little vents under the dashboard. So you point those where you want and you pull out uh, what feels like uh, an old fashioned choke talking about nostalgia. And, uh, and that varies the heat between sort of 
hot or a bit less or a bit more hot and you turn the fans on and off and that's it so it's uh but that that sort of keeps your lower bits warm enough and then uh, yeah the heated screen although i think the if you drive it with Waft. the hood up and on in the wet it's it's apparently quite a, a miserable place to spend time because it you know it's a vinyl and plastic roof so it sort of keeps the heat in it does all get a bit a bit hot and humid in there so yeah maybe just for keeping the uh the misting up but then it's an odd one it's a bit you know if you had a cloth there and you're trying to reach around and reach over and demiss the entire windscreen well you can virtually do it sat in the seat pinned in with your four-point harness you can reach all the way to the other side so you know it doesn't doesn't take long to clear the windscreen from the inside but it's uh yeah i've not not driven it in the wet yet well i don't think it's i think it's oh no it's rained once since i picked it up uh, and that was spectacularly heavy rain at six o'clock in the morning. So every other day has been nice and hot and sunny. So yeah, I might uh, I might drive it in the rain. I'm not sure, but it's uh, I don't know. No. I just don't want to get the underneath dirty. Driving that thing in the rain would be like being one of those gazebos with the sides on because it, that, yes. that's what the windows yeah. are made of, aren't they? They're, if you've not seen one of the, with these before, the, the windows are at the side. They're not glass. They're sort of a and they're not solid plastic. You'd only put them on there in an emergency. You wouldn't make a point of going out if you think it's going to rain. They're always so scratched you can't see a damn thing through them anyway. Mm, fine, fine for the drive, but but maybe a bit too misty otherwise. I think probably the, in terms of smugness, the only real that there's a few new bits on cars that are excellent. It's like it's nice to be able to have your phone wirelessly connect and and have the, your Apple CarPlay for your maps if you're going somewhere. All the rest of it, and it's nice having cruise control or, or fully autonomous driving if you've got a car like Jim's Daily. But to be fair, I'm quite happy with just cruise control or whatever. Anyway, and you had that in the noughties. The thing that is really useful is being able to remote start your car. So when you're brushing your teeth in the morning, rather than running out and hoping that no one nicks it when it's on the driveway running, you can press a button and it starts up and then it either gets cool in the summer so you don't burn your bits when you sit down on the uh, on the seats, which are made nowadays of pleather rather than leather because vegans and, and presumably more cost, I should think. Or in the winter, it gets the car nice and hot and demists it and defrosts it. You don't have to worry about scraping anything at all. You just walk out to your car and completely smugly and then drive off. Ah, but again, that's talking of nostalgia. That's a, uh, as I'm sure uh, most of us did in our early years of driving for Mike and I, or, you know, the uh, the mid-noughties as it was, everybody had the Clifford alarm or the Toad alarm. And then you mm. had the uh, the option of fitting remote start as well. Yep. So you had it all plumbed in and wired in and a little sensor, or you had to remember to leave it in neutral, one of the two. But you pressed a couple of buttons on your fob and the car would remote start. So again, that's uh, it's almost bringing back and legalising a, a thing that came out of the modifying scene years and years and years ago, but a very handy thing, remote start. Definitely. Thinking of, of some of the exceptional bits and pieces, I don't know if you guys have been to the British Motor Museum of late, which is quite excellent, actually. I went over the weekend. They have a, quite a, a selection of interesting British Leyland cars. Um, and I, I pick on British Leyland. There's all kinds of bits and pieces in there. So um, there's more modern Rovers and Jaguars and there's an Aston Martin and there's some really interesting stuff in the main display, which is great. And it's great to go if you've got kids and everything else as well. But there's also an overspill collection which has cars sort of four or five deep. A lot of them are quite interesting, some of them not so much. There was the first Maestro, I think 1983, the first one that rolled off the line. There's the last Metro, for example, in there. And a few other little quirky cars where they've tried to make the, the original Mini more aerodynamic. Definitely worth a visit if you have any kind of interest in that sort of uh, 80s, 90s, 70s British Leyland era. There's, there's a few little treats in there, as well as some more glamorous cars that are tucked away in, in the main collection. and 
and actually in the reserve collection as well. I saw a favourite of mine the other day that uh, I wish I'd kept, which was a uh, it was a Rover P6. It was the 2200 twin cam, but we had two of the V8s one after the other. Fabulous car. I wish they'd kept them. Um, and they might be worth some money now, but uh, the, talking about sort of basic things that have disappeared, both of them had a reserve fuel tank. She pulled a very elegant chrome lever, and there was another two gallons of fuel in a, in a reserve tank, which given the fact that it, they, they you know, it's a V8, they three and a half litre V8, they drank like a fish. Uh, I think probably the best we ever achieved was about 13 or 14 MPGs. So you needed a bloody reserve tank just to get you home. Mm, Why not just, just fit a bigger fuel tank? Yeah, I was just thinking that. That seems to have been completely negated by just not running out of fuel or fitting a better gauge or something. Would have spoilt the elegance of the design. I, I, yeah, I don't know where it came from, but it was not uncommon in cars of that era. I think you still get it on some bikes, don't you? It's an added value feature, isn't it? It's, it's it out, but you think you've run out of fuel. Don't worry. There's another two gallons if you pull this. Rather than just making the bigger tank, it makes you think it's got one more control and it's beautifully chromed, which in those days would have gone, bloody hell, I'm having that. That's brilliant. What a good Do idea. Do you have range anxiety? Yeah. It's, it's a bit like you imagine that with a modern electric car, just swap over to the uh, the other battery. But did, with did you chrome have to lever. fill them up separately? or No, if you topped up or any fuel you put in the main tank, filtered down into the reserve tank first. So there was always fresh fuel in there. But uh, I, I was just reminding me, I saw a 63 Cadillac the other day, and can't imagine that got very good fuel consumption. It's about the length of a London bus. Beautiful car, super beautiful in sort of piano black and a convertible, but you wouldn't want to go very far in one unless you were rather well-heeled. But then the guy that got out of it looked like he uh, was a quite successful rock star because his chauffeur then moved over along the bench seat and drove it away. <laughs> well, you kind of imagine he probably doesn't use that as a daily drive, so I'm, I'm, you know, if you're going to use it as your weekend toy, then, then why not? Why not? Yeah, or one and why not? Weekend toys. Back to less exceptional things, my reason for being at the British Motor Museum was because I was invited, and thank you to the Orion Owners Group and the, the Orion Register and, uh, and a number of people, because I was invited to the 40 years of the Ford Orion event, of which there were 37 cars, so probably the biggest gathering of them left, I should think. The rest of them all been rusted away by now, or broken for bits, or uh, I, I did hear a story about someone uh, relatively local who dug a massive hole and just pushed it in it because the insurance payout was, was quite excellent uh, when they were still relatively new. <laughs> so goodness knows, there's probably a few buried somewhere. That would give archaeologists something to uh, to think about in the future. Why have we got a ring of Ford Orions? Anyway, um, so yes, 40 years of Ford Orion and I was honoured with being chosen to award the best cars. So there were some excellent, excellent ones there. One that had been done like a Series 1 Escort RS Turbo, a Mark Three. And a Mark II by a chap with exceptional attention to detail who compound supercharged it. And it's, it's an incredible piece of engineering. Yeah, it's it is really something else. Theoretically, three four hundred brake horsepower. It's 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 got it's got plenty. And I say depending on which map it's on, a lot of power. It's some incredible, incredible engineering that's gone behind it. Everything that basically every small detail has had an extra bit of detail added to it, and really, really next level stuff. But nevertheless, I was there and not in my car, which um, is a real shame. But, you know, time, Why not? kids, family. Um, and for one big reason, and that is because we pulled the engine out the other day, didn't we, Jim? We did. It sort of fell out at the bottom, but in a controlled manner. And then we lifted the car up and off it went. So it was 
very good. There was much manhandling. And I realised I'd done something very stupid because I built the engine at the back of the garage and then parked the car in front of it and then taken the suspension off the car. I couldn't then get the engine stand back through. So what followed was some relatively sketchy shuffling past the car. I realised if I could turn the car on its side, I would be able to get it out. So that's basically what we did with the engine crane, which was capable of lifting a ton of engine or whatever. So I had no problem lifting my car, which with an engine anyway is 964 kilos anyway. So we could slide this thing out underneath. But I mean, you stuck your hand in the way. And I, I think probably at the closest point, we had less than 15 mil to get this engine passed on the stand. So God knows how much to get it out. And subsequently, it's on the deck so I can join the, the box and everything else together. Although I made a dreadful mistake of following a Ford repair procedure, which told me to do something. And I won't spoil it for you because it would be on the uh, Ryan Diary on YouTube. If, you, if you're interested in following the progress of this, search for the UK Motor Talk or Ryan Equip on YouTube and you, you'll find me um, looking very tired mostly and uh, and bemoaning <laughs> the mistakes I've made. So I followed the repair procedure, which replaces a particular component and basically buggered it up. So I've got more work to do, but nevertheless, engine is out. New engine's pretty much ready to go in, bar the rectifying the mistake that I, that I myself made. And we're just uh, looking at engine management, painting the engine bay in bits and pieces, and hopefully, hopefully by the end of the year, I'll have it up and together and it can then sit at the tuners, getting it all sorted and set up and ready to go. That is the sort of the, the big update for me with uh, with with my cars, really. That's that's about it. Every, the, the best I've managed to do with the rest of them is pretty much wash them. Enough of the nostalgia. We probably should look at a few bits for the future to end this podcast. The MG Cyberstove, which uh, we were all quite excited, is going to make its debut at Goodwood. And I think you're going, Graham, aren't you? I am indeed. It's one of the things I'm looking forward to uh, seeing. It looks like being yet again a spectacular event, but I think more of that next time. So that's 13th to the 16th of July then. Yes. Probably the biggest motoring event in the world, arguably. So we'll be able to see the MG Cyberster there and possibly a new catering gym. Is that right? Is that going to be there? I'm not sure. If it's not there, it's certainly going to be out fairly soon. The EV powered version of the car that's sat in my garage at the moment, basically. It's uh, it's true to form. It looks like a seven. It should apparently drive like one. And they're aiming for uh, 2015-20. So... 20 minutes on track, 15 minute fast charge, 20 minutes on track. Or if you're tootling around driving it like a normal car on the road, a similar range to an internal combustion powered 7. So quite what that range is, I'm not really sure yet because I've tanked it up and I think the gauge is fairly reliable, but I'm not really sure. And I don't really keep a track of how many miles I do in it when I drive it. So what that range is, I don't really know, but apparently it's going to be about the same in the uh, in the electric version. So that looks quite exciting. And that makes me happy, actually, because if you do need to go out and buy a brand new one in 10 years time, then you'll be able to have an electric one. I think that'd be quite interesting, actually, with the sheer amount of torque that's possible. I could imagine mm. things would get very drifty very quickly. I would hope so. Mm, something, something auto testy sounds like a auto testy sounds like a terrible name. An auto test sounds like the perfect it? place for one of these. One of these, I think, we're going to swing that around. Instant power could play to the car's strengths pretty well, actually. Apart from maybe the lightness, but I guess that remains to be seen. And I've got some sort of thoughts about Formula One cars at the Nordschleife. Yeah, I think Red Bull are uh, going to chuck a couple of their cars or one of their cars around the Nordschleife. I think that will be Daniel Ricciardo driving, so they'll uh, they'll wheel him out. And Sebastian Vettel 
back behind the wheel of Red Bull, which would be, yes. uh, be quite nice to see. So I think he's enjoying his retirement. He'll be at Festival of Speed, Will Vettel, in his Nigel Mansell Red 5 that we saw at the British Grand Prix. And, uh, yeah, pelting uh, an old-school Red Bull F1 car around the, the Nordschleife. But Max was uh, had sort of put his hand up to say, oh, please, sir, can I have a go? And, uh, and Helmut had slapped him down fairly hard because it was, uh, I know what you're like, I know how you can be, you'll try and break the lap record. So, no, you'll come a cropper. But whilst he's, uh, I was, oh, actually, yeah, let's do a, an F1 roundup of the season so far. Max has won. Uh, and that's the story of the season today. But I don't know, I, d- I do kind of think <laughs> if uh, if they had the run, I don't know, probably around the time of Singapore Japanese Grand Prix, to be fair, Max could probably go and do it because he'll have wrapped the title up by then anyway. Certainly would be spectacular. A little bit of that. So there we go. Amongst a few of the summer shows and events that are coming up and drive out, possibly even something with your Caterham GP7 slot, isn't there, Jim? I think over that way. So a massive collection of those. Yeah, that's on the Sunday of Goodwood as well, the GP7's open day. So uh, if I'm not at Goodwood on the Sunday, I dare say I'll be uh, up at GP7's. Mm, should be a good day. So... New stuff from Caterham, the Cyberster, everything that uh, we're going to see thrown at us from Goodwood and a bit more about that next time. And F1 cars, Nordschleife. So lots of things to, to look forward to in, in the coming weeks and months. So I guess from us then, it's probably time to say goodbye so we can get on with it. It's been great chatting to you again. From me, Mike, goodbye. From me, Jim, it's goodbye. And from me, Graham, goodbye. Take care. Safe driving. And from me, Dave. Mind how you go. See you next time. UK Motor Talk, a first take media production.